welcome to the Empower Her Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Aoife, and this is episode number 50. What a milestone. I can't believe we're already on episode 50. I remember it feels like just a few weeks ago I started the podcast and it was almost a year ago now. It'll be a year in December, which is so exciting because it was something I put off doing for so long because I was so afraid of um, putting myself out there and podcasting. Um, But I'm loving it. I'm loving the interaction I'm getting from you guys. And I'm loving hearing from all of you each week about the episodes you're enjoying. Love seeing the tags on Instagram when you find an episode that resonates with you. Please keep doing that and keep sharing it. I love seeing how much you guys are supporting the podcast and how much you are learning from it. So today in our episode, we're going to talk about the satiety index and why some foods are more filling than others and which foods they are and how knowing this and using this information can help you to stick to your diet a lot easier. So we're going to start by looking at what exactly hunger is and how that impacts our dieting efforts. We're then going to talk about what satiety is. We're going to talk about the satiety index and I'm going to talk you through a study that was done on that many years ago. And we're then going to talk through the various foods that are more satiating than others and how you can use this then to create a more sustainable diet. So let's start with hunger. Hunger as we all know, one of our body's strongest and probably most beneficial stimuli. It keeps us alive. It helps ensure that we consume enough calories for our needs and for our body to keep functioning. However, it also works against us in a way when we're trying to lose weight, because when you are trying to lose weight, you need to eat less. And it would be so easy if it was just as simple as that. And you could say, I just need to eat less. And it happened and hunger didn't get in the way. But the less you eat, or the longer you postpone eating, the hungrier you become. And interestingly, the more weight you lose, the more your body kicks into that survival mode that drives you to crave more food and feel hungry. So fundamentally, your appetite or your hunger level is driven by your innate survival instinct, rather than your desire to stick to a diet or see your abs or look good in a bikini. Unfortunately, our hunger cues can often override that and send us off track. When you're starving hungry, you instinctively know what foods will help you to refuel quickly. And those are often foods that are really energy dense comfort foods that are more calories per bite and will fill us up quickly, basically. Or we're just not really fill us up, but satisfy us, I guess, because we want to look at, you know, what foods satisfy us versus what foods actually fill us up and keep us satiated for longer. So we want to find a way to eat less without fighting against our hunger signals. And to do that, we need to find the foods with a higher satiety to calorie ratio. Now, if you've been listening this far and wondering what the hell is she talking about when she's saying satiety, (laughs) I'll cover that one first because I mentioned this episode to a friend the other morning and she asked that same question. So I figured, yeah, okay, that might be a good place to start with. So by definition, satiety is basically the feeling of fullness after a meal. A satiating meal will make you feel full with less calories and prevent you from feeling hungry for much longer after you've eaten. So it keeps you feeling fuller for longer, basically. And this is something that has been researched for many years. 
And while many things are known to influence satiety, and these include behavioral differences, individual differences in endocrine levels, um, hormones, and all of this from one person to another, one of the biggest factors is actually the type of food that you eat. And I think if you have ever worked with a coach or you've researched a little bit into nutrition and started to learn a bit more about nutrition, you start to understand that not all calories are created equal. You know, sometimes you can eat, um, you know, 500 calories worth of, say, let's say ice cream. If you ate 500 calories worth of ice cream, you would probably be ready to have some more in about 20 minutes or half an hour. Whereas if you were to eat 500 calories worth of chicken breast or broccoli or potatoes, you probably wouldn't be looking to eat more of it immediately afterwards. You'd probably be feeling a lot fuller for a lot longer. So that's when we look at, you know, um, the calories in your food and then how we can make choices and ensure that, you know, the calories we're choosing and the calories we're eating are actually going to help to satisfy us for longer when we are trying to stay within a calorie goal. So um, what I want to talk about next was one of the most detailed and groundbreaking studies on satiety. And I mentioned this earlier. This was led by a researcher called Susanna Holt at the University of Sydney back in 1995. And it's titled The Satiety Index of Common Foods. I'll pop the link below if you want to read up on it. But I'll, tell, I'll talk you through it and tell you exactly what the study involved because it was very interesting. Participants were basically given 220 calorie portions of various foods on separate mornings after a 10 hour overnight fast. So they, in the study, they used 38 different foods that kind of spanned across all cultures and all types of foods, you know, processed, unprocessed, um, various different textures and so on to give a good span of the different food groups. So they used six different food groups in this study. So we basically have fruits, bakery food, snack foods, protein-rich foods, carbohydrate-rich foods, and breakfast cereals. Uh, so to give you an example of some foods from each, we have grapes and apples. We have things like croissants, donuts. We also had things like Mars bar, ice cream, eggs, lentils, um, breads and pastas, cornflakes, and special K. So a variety of different foods across all of those food groups. And then each morning, the participants were given a 220 calorie portion of the food. So as you can imagine, even thinking about this now and imagining, you know, the foods they're having, you can imagine 220 calories of a croissant would probably be like a small croissant versus 220 calories worth of eggs or um pasta even is going to be a much bigger portion okay so think about that and keep that in mind for what I'm going to mention later um, but after eating that food um, they were told to relax for the next two hours and just left in a nice setting where they could all chat amongst each other but they weren't allowed any further food or drinks they were then asked to rate their perceived hunger every 15 minutes using a rating scale over those next two hours and then at the two hour mark they were led to a buffet style breakfast where they could eat as much or as little as they wanted and before eating at the buffet they were again asked how much would you like to eat now so the researchers measured the amount of food they ate at the buffet and they recorded the number of calories each subject consumed and combine that with their reported hunger levels prior to the meal to create the satiety index of each of these foods. 
So I'll talk you through it because I have it up in front of me, but I'll also link um, a little graphic below as well for you to have a look at because sometimes it's nice to see it in visual form. But basically the most satisfying foods, the very top one was actually boiled potatoes. But as you can imagine, boiled potatoes on their own, pretty plain food, but also you can get quite a lot of volume in it. So there's going to be a good amount of food there. And that was the most satisfying by a long shot. That was over 340%, I think. And then we had porridge or oatmeal. After that was apples, beef, grapes, bread, all bran, cheese, and lentils. So they were the top ones on the most satisfying. And then if we look at the lower end and the least satisfying foods, uh, we had a cereal called Honey Honey Smacks. I'm not sure if that's still around or in what country it originates. And we also had cookies, bananas, cornflakes, special K, white bread, chips, peanuts, donuts, and croissant being the very least satisfying. Okay. Uh, So that was at the bottom end. Um, I kind of read them in the wrong order there, but if you just reverse the order, I've called them out and you'll understand which is the least satisfying. Uh, But one of the biggest findings in a whole study and many other studies since was that satiety is most strongly related to the weight of the food consumed. So if you think about what I mentioned earlier about the size of each portion and the volume, you'll understand how the weight of the food would impact the the satiety the person experiences after eating it. In other words, the foods that weigh the most satisfy our hunger best, regardless of the number of calories they contain. And what researchers also found was foods with higher protein, fiber, and water content were the most satisfying to the participants, and foods highest in fat were the least satisfying. Now, you might be thinking, that's great information to know, but how is it useful in my context or, you know, in a dieting context? So let's take this information and put it into context. If you're trying to lose weight, then eating foods that are lower on the satiety index means you won't be satisfied with how much you can eat until after you've gone over your calorie limit. So think about the croissants, for example. When trying to lose weight, uh, croissants really aren't going to fill you up and it's going to be a lot of calories for a small amount of food volume. And the flip side of that is if you choose foods high in the satiety index, you'll be satisfied before you reach your calorie limit. So the more satiating foods you can disperse across your day, across your diet, the fuller you're going to feel for less calories and the easier it will be to stay within your calorie goal. So a really good plan would be to construct your diet around foods that are higher on the satiety index and eat more of those foods. Now, there's a really useful website called Nutrition Data, which I've linked in the show notes below. And on that website, they use what they call a fullness factor, where they rank foods according to how filling they are by using a mathematical formula that looks at foods' nutrition content and takes into account their protein, fat, and fiber content in classifying how full each food will make you feel. And it does include a lot more foods than the satiety index. So you can probably combine both of these to help guide your diet if you're trying to stay within a calorie limit and you're trying to feel less hungry between meals. And basically the formula they used for the fullness factor uses values from those nutrients, so protein, fat, and fiber, um, that have been shown experimentally to have the greatest impact on satiety. So it's a good combination of both of these studies. 
The fullness factor then basically ranks the foods according to how filling they are per calorie. And the highest fullness factor foods were foods like bean sprouts, watermelon, grapefruit. And then lowest on the, on the fullness factor were foods like butter, chips, sugar, and honey. So when you think about it, you know, quite obvious, obvious ones, but good to read what the highest fullness factor foods are and combine those with the high satiety foods to build your diet. Now, a final point on this is there are a lot of other things that can influence whether a food will satisfy our hunger. A lot of, um, you know, psychological and emotional responses to food as well need to be taken into consideration. But the biggest thing really is trying to build your diet in a way that you're less susceptible to hunger. Um, But individual preferences do obviously play a role as well. So there may be certain foods that are really great on the fullness factor or satiety index that you personally don't like due to taste or texture. So use a little bit of um, personal guidance on that as well. And I think the bottom line and the biggest takeaway from this one would be selecting foods with a higher fullness factor will help you to improve your chances of eating fewer calories while minimizing your hunger. And the goal isn't to eat only the foods in this list um, because the satiety index anyway has tested only 38 foods for that study and the fullness factor list doesn't have a huge amount of foods either. But it gives you an idea of some good foods to include. And you also want to include more foods like um, unprocessed foods that are higher in protein, fiber and water, because these foods, as we know, will keep you more satisfied between meals, especially when trying to lose weight in a calorie deficit. And I think like I remember for me personally reading this study a few years back when I first got into nutrition and it was a real eye-opener for me because I started to then look at you know how can I make better food choices throughout my day and what substitutions can I make if I'm dieting in order to ensure that I'm getting more bang for my buck with the calories I'm eating throughout the day you know so as a diet progresses you might want to make some swaps like you know at the start of your diet you may be having like a bagel for your carbs. As your diet goes on, you might want to make those calories last further and you might want to have 200 calories worth of potato instead as your carbohydrate with that meal. And then as your diet progresses further, you might want to have 200 calories worth of pumpkin instead of the potato because you're going to get a much higher quantity of that food for the same number of calories. So that's the way I would use it and that's the way I use it with clients and that's the way I help clients understand how to build a meal plan that will help them to stay within their calories as they enter a deficit and as they have to reduce calories in order to lose weight. Um, So yeah, hope that's been helpful to you guys. As a final point, if you learned something new from this episode, I would love it if you could take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram story to let me know. Tag me at activelyifa. You can tag the podcast at empowerher.fitness. If you're listening to the episode on iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a minute to leave me a review and rating. It really, really helps the show to be found. And if you're interested in working with me, you can visit my website, which is www.empowerher.fitness, and you'll see all of my coaching services on there. And if you are listening on the day that the podcast is released or the week the podcast is released, so that's around the 20th of October, 2021, you can join the next group intake of the Minicut program, which is actually starting next week on the 25th of October for eight weeks. And this is going to be the final group intake for the program for this year. So the next intake then will be early 2022. How crazy. Um, So I'll pop the link for that below as well. 
And I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about each macronutrient over the coming weeks and the importance of protein, fats and carbs in your diet individually and talk about how you can include them in your day and how to get good sources of each of those macros. So I'll speak to you guys in the next episode. Thank you.